if you can add even one or two more surgeries a day because you become more efficient, um, that's huge opportunity for both the hospital and for patients who need surgery scheduled. Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelley Chopra. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care and the ever-changing landscape of our industry. Our goal in this series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our experience and having worked with some of the industry top experts and thought leaders. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and questions that are top of your mind. Our theme of this month's podcast is clinical variation reduction. No matter where your organization is on the journey of value-based care, margin improvement is supported by learning how to establish clinical variation reduction programs driven by physicians, clinicians, operations, and finance leaders. It also requires figuring out how to leverage your current clinical, operational, and financial infrastructure, and finally, extending the clinical variation reduction programs across the continuum of care so you can ensure improvements in both fee-for-service and value-based performance portfolios. In our previous podcast episode, my co-host and managing principal of the firm, Daniel Moreno, alongside our podcast guest, John Malone, talked about what is clinical variation reduction, why consider it in the current landscape of value-based care, and really, where do you get started? Hi, Dan. Hi, Shelley. Thanks very much for that introduction. That was great. Wonderful. Dan, I thought it was an insightful discussion between you and John. We've certainly received a lot of good feedback and questions on it. What do you intend to share in today's episode with our listeners? You know, in the last episode when John and I talked about clinical variation reduction, I thought John did a real nice job talking about the concepts of margin enhancement, why clinical variation reduction was important uh, to take costs out of the system, to better position healthcare organizations, hospitals, physicians, um, for you know just a stronger overall process and just to make sure that they're financially successful going forward. One of the things that we wanna spend some time talking about in this discussion today is kind of the nuts and bolts of clinical variation reduction. Where do organizations start? How do you engage your physicians? Um, what's some of the infrastructure and the capabilities that are really required for success? So I'm really pleased today to have Dr. George Mazel join us on our podcast. George has a lot of experience with clinical variation reduction, has been very successful in working with many hospitals and physician leaders across the country and achieving a lot of their clinical variation reduction goals. Welcome, George. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So George, maybe we can start out by, by talking about where organizations really should focus some of their attention um, on clinical variation reduction. You know, there was a great article in Modern Healthcare a couple of weeks ago that's really talked about how organizations, if they really focus on improving their process, really focus on working with physicians, creating efficiencies, can take up to 40, even 50% of unnecessary costs out of their system. 
seems like a pretty large lofty goal, but when you really think about it, there's a lot of inefficiencies that are built into say the perioperative process, the surgical process and so forth. In your opinion and some of your experiences, where's a good place to start? Where should hospital leaders, physician leaders really focus some of their attention? Yeah, thanks Dan for the question. I think uh, before we actually get to where to start, I think one of the things that has to happen is you have to convince senior leadership and the physician groups um, of how important this is. Um, to do that, share some current economics, share some uh, data from inside the hospital or hospital system, and really create a burning platform on how critically important this is um, to get efficiencies of care. The other piece that needs to come up front is to remind everybody, well, this is certainly about using resources uh, more efficiently, uh, financial stewardship. It's really also about creating better outcomes and better quality. So those two sort of as the background and really getting the whole organization sort of organized around those, I think there are really three different areas where one can start on clinical variation. One is at the department level. So this might include uh, radiology, might include ER, it might include pharmacy. Um, that's really a little bit more of an internal process and that probably needs to happen as well in the background. The second two areas that probably are a good place to start is one is core hospital um, or processes. And that would be, I think you brought up a good one, which is the surgical suite. Um, certainly a place, a good place to start. Lots and lots of opportunity there. And the last way to start this, um, also a good place to start is by diagnosis-driven places. So if you look at most hospitals, um, most of them are mostly Medicare-driven financially, at least in terms of volume. Um, and certainly most hospitals think about starting around congestive heart failure, pneumonia, sepsis, total joint, and COPD, which tend to be the major cost drivers. So what I've had the most success in is starting with the last one of the last two issues, either at the uh, department level, like perioperative, or diagnosis level. And the reason you do that is because you want to engage the doctors right from the get-go, early on, um, they need to be part of the process and part of the solution. Yeah, and I also think to really engage them on what we're solving for. So if you're able to look at some of your costs, and let's say you know organizations can start to look at costs by DRG, for instance, and you identify that you know, for particular DRGs, the surgical DRGs, for instance, there's a high attributed variation in cost between different providers. It gives you a pretty good idea that there's different types of processes that are certainly occurring right now between your different surgeons. So moving forward with perioperative services would make a lot of sense in terms of your clinical variation reduction goals. Yeah, absolutely. Perioperative is one of the, the really uh, huge opportunities. And sometimes just a little bit of change there can go a long way. Um, as you know, it's a major driver of revenue for hospitals and also a major sticking point. So one of the first things that probably most folks do is really look at the different processes that go into that surgical um, decision and surgical operations and then start peeling those apart, getting data on where the opportunities are, and then um, really engaging your docs to figure out how we can change some of those um, processes. So if you think about the surgical process, you think about, okay, let's, first thing is who should get surgery? How do we decide which patients? 
And then how do we decide which patients are inpatient and which patients are outpatient? So that's sort of step one. And I'm gonna go very high level here. Then there's the scheduling. Um, how do we schedule surgery? How do we make sure we get the right surgeon at the right patient at the right time? Um, that's where you get into block scheduling and what time of day you start. Um, then you get with the pre-op planning and the, and the pre-op testing. Um, how do you get the anesthesiologist and the surgeons to all to, to agree on what's okay and what's not okay? Because cancellations are very costly for the hospital, but also for patients. Nobody wants to come into an OR suite and be canceled at the last minute. Um, then you move into starting on time. How do you get folks to start on time every time? Um, and you move then to the room turnover and transitions. Then a post-op space, discharge, follow-up, and in all this is the transporting of the patient to and from. Each one of those steps um, can be a problem in the process. And if you think about it, if you can add even one or two more surgeries a day because you've become more efficient, um, that's huge opportunity for both the hospital and for patients who need surgery scheduled. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And not only does it help you enhance your revenue and your revenue opportunities, but if you're able to fairly align some of the practice patterns, the practice styles, and reduce some of that variation, you just make yourself much more efficient. So it really helps you on both sides. And that's what true margin enhancement is really about as you're starting to think about taking the costs out, making it more efficient, but also enhancing the revenue piece of it. You know, that, that's a great example, George. Yeah, I think it, uh, this is certainly one of the hot buttons in most of the hospitals I've been involved with. And again, it's such a huge opportunity and it creates really a win-win-win for the patient, the hospital, and the physicians. And there are not too many things that fit into that category where everybody gains in the process. George, talk for a few minutes about engaging physicians. They're such an important part of this process. This, in my opinion, can't be administratively led. It has to really be physician or clinically led. And engaging the physicians, I think at multiple levels, is really important. In, in your experience, talk for a few minutes about some of the mechanisms, some of the, you know, the successes that you've had, approaches you've used on engaging the physicians in the process. Yeah, Dan, a, a really important point and, and, and certainly where the opportunity starts and ends. And, and the first thing I'd say is involve physicians early um, and give them the information. I think there's a lot of assumptions that physicians understand hospitals' finances and hospitals' flow and, and other resource utilization, and they really don't. Um, they're there to take care of patients, but if you, if you can sit down with the physicians, find some physicians that are formal or informal leaders, make sure they have the time, and sit down and share data and information with them. Um, how long things take, how, how much things cost, where things um, go wrong, um, you know, and share all that with the physicians. I think then you create the need um, then you have to sit there and say, well, what's in it for the physicians? Because that's, you know, that's always in the background somewhere. And I think the thing that you create in this kind of a situation is a real gain for physicians. And what you really gain for them is time. Um, so if you can get on-time starts to work better, if you can make sure the, uh, the, the right packs and surgical tools are in the OR at the right time, um, they get more cases in during the day or they get more time home. Um, the last thing a surgeon wants to be doing is sitting in the physician lounge waiting for the next case, um, not really getting anything productive done. Surgeons like to operate. So that's really where they get the value. But again, 
giving them the data and information so that they understand that, creating some dashboards so they can track it, and then making sure they understand why they're doing this and how to help it. And most physicians want to do the right thing. And if you create the right information platform and, and, share, and share in a quality and outcomes-based context, um, you will get them on board. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. And, you know, it reminds me of, of something one of my physicians had said to me and, and work that we had done so, so uh, you know, some time ago. He was receiving a lot of information from the hospital that was good information, but it was retrospective. Um, it didn't really tell him what the issues were now with the way that he was practices. And this was a, this was a surgeon and even the way that he was performing surgery, he said to me, you know, if you can give me information that is meaningful to me now that translates to the way that I am performing my surgeries, I want to improve. I want to be part of the process. I want to make things much more efficient for the hospital. I want to be able to improve the financial position and overall the success of the, of the care that I'm, that I'm, you know, providing. And it just gets back to what you were saying. The information has to be meaningful, but if you engage them in that process, those, those goals, those successes of reducing the clinical variation, your opportunity to achieve those goes up dramatically. Yeah, I think that's all true. I've also noticed that when you get a number of surgeons, in this case, in a room, and you give them that information, the peer dialogue um, is invaluable. Um, they learn from each other. They, they get great ideas off each other. And you really build a synergistic model uh, where they're all engaged and involved and help to solve the problems with the hospital staff. Yeah, I, I agree. So we've talked about you know, you mentioned, George, where to start and, under, and, and kind of getting information um, in such a way that helps these hospitals, these, you know, health systems understand what are the greatest problem area from a clinical or cost variation standpoint. Um, and then, you know, being very prescribed in your approach. And second is really engaging the physicians and engaging them in such a way that they're part of the process, that you're giving them really usable, insightful, actionable information where they know how to improve. Talk for a few minutes about the infrastructure because physicians can't do it on their own. Even though physicians should be leading this process, even though the physicians have to be heavily engaged in the process, we can't ask the physicians to do more. We actually have to ask them to you know, work smarter, not harder. So in your opinion, what has been some of the infrastructure or the capabilities that are required for success? Yeah, Dan, that's a great point. Um, physicians are already overburdened with, with all the administrative details and just taking care of their patients. So you really need to build an infrastructure around them to make these kind of projects successful. Um, they can be sort of the engine behind it with the ideas and the deep understanding of how things work, but you need resources from the hospital standpoint. And then you need data and information. And you made a good point. It's not just data, it's information. It has to be in a usable format Ideally, you start with some high-level things that are easily available, but at some point, you really want to get down to the actual cost of things. Um, what does it cost to, for each pack that goes in the OR? What does it cost for, for uh, prolonged turnover time? So getting that information to the physicians, and really want, you want to use their knowledge and experience and then have hospital staff that are in a position to do the work and create the change and really make it almost seamless from the physician's point of view so they're not being asked to do more, but just to do to work within a system that's created to make things more efficient. 
One organization, George, we had done some work with around clinical variation reduction focused a lot on really advancing their care management activities, um, even patient navigation they thought was really important on helping manage the patients through the process and making it much more efficient for the providers. Have you seen that as a necessary or let's say an important element in achieving some of the success around clinical variation reduction? Um, certainly. And what we've seen, um, I don't have to tell anybody that healthcare is really complex. Um, and think about it from the patient's point of view. Just navigating the system is incredibly challenging. So a number of organizations um, have um, beefed up their care management or case management staff uh, to be much, much more efficient and effective and really um, up, up the kind of folks that are working in that area. And then many of them have actually added care navigators, which really are a, a one-stop shop for the patient to call and help them just navigate through all the complexities of scheduling the surgery, getting the pre-op testing, getting to the OR on time with a reasonable schedule, the discharge process and planning, home DME, all the things that, uh, and follow up with their physicians. So all the pieces of the puzzle that we all sort of take for granted, um, these navigators have been very effective in helping patients um, know who to call and when to call and have that one-stop shop that they can um, work the system efficiently. Yeah, this is great, George. This is great. So just in summary, I think you brought up some really important points. As organizations are interested in moving forward with clinical variation reduction, it's an important methodology in really enhancing the margin of organizations, but you do have to understand where to start. And as you begin to identify your starting point, whether it's disease-based, um, condition-based, or it's department-based, you know, surgery, we spent some time talking about perioperative services, um, you have to engage the physicians. They have to be part of the process and they really do need to lead it and really have the right level of information and infrastructure to help them become successful. All great points. And I think if organizations really focus on that, I'm confident they could achieve a lot of the goals that are set by uh, our healthcare system to really take considerable costs out of the system. Any closing remarks that you might want to make? Yeah, the only other thing that we sort of haven't mentioned, but I think it's important to, to add to this is, you know, this is a very effective and efficient model in our current fee-for-service environment um, in making hospitals more efficient by controlling their cost and, and potentially enhancing the revenue. But it's also a critical piece as we move down the road to value-based healthcare, where hospitals may be paid very differently and physicians, whether they're employed or part of a clinically integrated network or even independent, um, will be um, reimbursed differently. So um, this model gains efficiency, which is effective in basically any type of payment model. Well, thanks, George. I really appreciate your time today. You brought up some great points, and I hope a lot of our listeners uh, enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Shelley? Absolutely. Great conversation, gentlemen. Thank you for that. To our uh, listeners, to learn more about clinical variation reduction or to learn more about us, visit us at luminahp.com. There you'll find additional articles and blogs on clinical variation reduction, some case studies, links to our podcast episodes, as well as information on our upcoming webinar next week on clinical variation on this topic. We want to thank you for listening to our Value-Based Care Insights podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We here at Lumina are your partners in the journey to value-based care. If you found value in today's conversation, 
Subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms and leave us feedback. We welcome your questions on this topic, perhaps even challenges you're dealing with, and also invite you for a opportunity for one-on-one conversation as well. Until next time, have a great day.